And thank you for joining another episode of Battleground Florida. I am Christopher Heath coming to you from the Parish Healthcare Podcast Studio here in sunny Orlando, Florida. We're back from the break. Hope you had a great Christmas. Good New Year. Everything working out for you. And we're going to r- jump right back in feet first. Our guest today, A.B. Stoddard, a associate editor and columnist over at Real Clear Politics, a contributor at The Bulwark. And we are talking about two Ukrainians and a lot of Russian money. A.B., thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. So, um, Okay, let's get into this. We're talking about two names that may not be household names, but they probably should be, and that is Igor Furman and Lev Parnas. And let's just put it bluntly, they've been handing out as much cash as they could for the last couple of years to anyone who will take it. Is that, that that's pretty that's pretty standard, right? Right. They um, when they were arrested October 9th, um, they were charged with conspiracy and false statements and funneling foreign money into campaigns including a pro-Trump super PAC um, to the tune of, I think, up more than $300,000. And then um, we know that um, they intended to give 500000 of that to Rudy Giuliani. At some point they did. So um, they, have a, they have access, according to um, court documents um, about Lev Parnas, um, to what prosecutors called a, a seemingly limitless um, foreign money stream. And we think that comes from um, Ukrainian oligarch Dmitry Furtash, who is tight with Vladimir Putin. And you don't have to go too far down this to find a lot of Florida, Florida politicians that in some way, shape, or form, got some of this money. Brian Mast, a congressman off the Treasure Coast area, our governor, Ron DeSantis, one of our, our junior senator, Rick Scott. Uh, the list goes on and on. They, they were they were more than willing to give you big checks to your, your PAC and then also max out on whatever they could give you to your campaign. Most of these politicians have since returned this money, but it just shows exactly how, how, how widespread this cash flowing from Russia was. Right, exactly. Not only um, all the donations, but, uh, you know, th- th- that money talked, right? He, you could see from the photographs um, on their social media accounts um, that Fruman and Parnas um, made it very far into um, the highest political circles in Washington and nationally and in Florida, which is obviously, you know, really key to the president's reelection, probably the most important state to him. And um, he also gave to um, the House, the top House Republican, the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy of California. He was photographed with, as you mentioned, Governor DeSantis, uh, former Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi, uh, Donald Trump Jr., President Trump, Mike Huckabee. Um, it, Parnas pops up more than Fruman, but the two of them together um, had pretty good access, and, and that um, – that was insured by um, their their contributions and um, obviously through their access uh, to Rudy Giuliani. And let's take a quick step back. I mean, they're both right now sitting in a federal prison. They were both, they had lunch with Rudy Giuliani at the Trump Hotel in D.C. They were both about to jump on a plane and leave U.S. jurisdiction when they were arrested. Um, and they're both basically just waiting for the for the next shoe to drop, as I guess kind of we all are. But that's that's how we got to this point and started to kind of peel back the onion of exactly what's going on here. Right. What's interesting is that um, Trump's reaction to their arrest October 9th upset Lev Parnas. Fruman um, is in a joint defense agreement, I think, um, 
with Rudy Giuliani, as I understand it. Rudy Giuliani is is, is the subject of a very widespread um, investigation out of the Southern District of New York that now has been picked up also uh, nationally by the FBI. Um, and doesn't and Fruman doesn't seem to be talking. Lev Parnas is talking. He's very upset that President Trump pretended not to know who he was. And um, through his lawyer, has been talking a lot. He's not only cooperating with the House Intelligence Committee to, to this day, provided documents, um, I guess, you know, contents of an iPhone, audio, video, all this stuff. Um, but he um, wants to he wants to testify, and he will um, testify that. He um, that everything he did was um, at the direction of President Trump, and he has told a story of being personally directed by President Trump in a meeting last December at the White House at the Hanukkah party where Rudy Giuliani provided them a private meeting with um, with the president uh, who gave him direction about these investigations in Ukraine. But December of 2018 is a long time into his relationship with the Trump circle, with Rudy Giuliani and with people like Congressman Devin Nunes of California who, as you know, is the ranking member now on the House Intelligence Committee, but was the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and dates um, back with Parnas as far back as spring of 2018 when he was chairman. Um, Parnas was providing him contacts in Europe, um, and, uh, and Nunes was looking into this Ukraine matter. He's a fierce defender of the president and a close ally and has found himself completely submerged in this um, in this scandal, and I believe because the former congressman, um, Pete Sessions, has now come before a grand jury to talk about his work with Parnas and Fruman um, to help the, the former Ukrainian ambassador, uh, Marie Yovanovitch, get fired, um, I believe that that means that uh, current congressman, Devin Nunes, um, has likely uh, been uh, queried by investigators no question. I don't know anything about it, grand jury, but because uh, Parnas is doing, has been doing so much speaking about all his contacts in Trump world ever since his October 9th arrest. And one of the things you put, you point out in your piece in the bulwark, it, it talks about the Republicans in the Senate may want to finish impeachment as quickly as possible because time is not on their side and they're worried future developments are likely to cut against Trump's position. In other words, if and when the firm and Parnas, you know, next shoe drops, Time it, could be, it, yes. it, it could be very, very bad because you just acquitted the president of, of two articles of impeachment. And then all of a sudden it comes out that, oh, by the way, this, this and this. And it's, it's still speculation, but definitely we're seeing we're seeing some um, some movement in this area. Look, for your listeners, if you thread the pieces together, my piece came out on the 16th. It basically addresses the fact that they're rushing to a trial you know, knowing that there is a Parnas time bomb. And then the very next day, December 17th, we learned from a court that Parnas's money did come from Furtash, who is a, who is a Ukrainian oligarch, as I mentioned, um, and is fighting extradition to the U.S., tight with Putin, and is, you know, all wrapped up in Russian organized crime. And he, um, it, what this all means, essentially, is that Furtash is paying Parnas, Parnas is paying Rudy, and Rudy is doing everything for, quote, free for the president. So what it means is that President Trump's election interference in, in Ukraine in the 2020 campaign has been indirectly funded by the Russians. This is really an amazing confluence of events and facts that came at a time when the very next day, December 18th, 
was the House impeachment vote. Lucky for Republicans, everyone was focused on that and has been ever since and the holidays, the, the other revelations, and now, of course, you know, the brink of war with Iran. But this is an incredibly damning, damning set of facts about the fact that the entire story of Ukraine meddling in the 2016 election and not um, the Russians is a Kremlin disinformation campaign cooked up by Putin um, that he's tried to work into our politics and our media and he's been talking President Trump into, we learned from a Washington Post report in December. Um, and and now, you know, President Trump has directed Rudy to try to, you know, cook up some documentation of this um, using people like, like Lev Parnas in Ukraine. And the fact that it's Russian funded um, indirectly is, is just, this is an amazingly damning set of facts, as I said, and something that the Senate Republicans um, know is um, lurking out there. Uh, we don't know if we know Rudy Giuliani, the investigation into him might not just be on these lobbying regulations, the FARA Act, Foreign um, Agent Registration Act. It's, it, it might be deeper than that. I mean, he is connected to a, to a you know, a, a Russian money laundering operation here. He might have been involved in Parnas and Freeman's uh, attempts to uh, import natural gas into Ukraine. Rick Perry, the former energy secretary, might have been involved in that. We don't know who was on the take. And there's so much out there in this investigation into Rudy Giuliani, both at the federal level and then, and you know, the, the, the Southern District of New York, which he once ran 20 years ago, an amazing irony, that for the senators to, to take this on when there could be, you know, it could have been a wiretap on Rudy with his conversations with Lord only knows who, the highest levels of this government. Um, we also know, Chris, it's worth pointing out, just to remind everyone when you step back from the Ukraine matter, that there is complicity at the highest level in this Ukraine um, shakedown of President Zelensky that the president's been impeached for. So that even if Mike Pence, the vice president, wasn't involved, he knew about it. Even if Bill Barr wasn't involved, he did reject, you know, a, a criminal referral from the general counsel of the CIA over that phone call. He's looked the other way. Rick Perry, Mike Mick Mulvaney, John Bolton, and Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, who essentially gave the State Department over to Rudy Giuliani uh, in his efforts to fire our Ukrainian ambassador and maybe further this, you know, natural gas deal and other investigations into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. So this is a vast. Um, government-wide scandal at the highest levels where people, if they weren't involved, directly involved, were complicit in their knowledge of all of these capers. And if you look at the Lev Parnas part and the Russian funding, um, it's a very, very, um, you know, turbulent uh, uh, drama that that uh, the senators who have to make um, a decision on, on uh, you know, the trial that whether or not to remove the president, whether or not to call for a middle step like censure. They're really still wrestling with those facts. We don't know where this is going to go, but they've made it clear they're dying to get this over with um, as this sits out there and, and really could explode at any time. And of course, we have this week dropping, uh, depending on when this podcast comes out. Of course, it was the, the first week here of 2020. We have emails coming out and, and documents that finally get released between the Defense Department and the Office of Management and Budget. And uh, basically what they show is tension over how the two agencies were tasked with carrying out President Trump's order to hold the aid on Ukraine. And this is something that that I, I think sometimes gets lost in all of this when we talk about Rudy Giuliani's actions in this. 
Rudy Giuliani serves the president in a private capacity. He has no authority to withhold the aid from Ukraine. Even if he wants that done, he has to go to the president to get it done. And that's why when, when you start to get into the question of, well, how did the aid get withheld and who was calling for it to be done? No matter how much Rudy would have wanted it, he can't do it by himself. He has got to get help from some of the highest levels in the government. And you start to draw those dots together. It doesn't take you, it doesn't take you a long time to get back to the Oval Office. Right. We know now from the reporting, the new reporting, that President Trump directed it and, and, and insisted on continuing the hold. And, and the documentation shows that. And, and the concerns of the Pentagon and the Office of Management and Budget that that was in violation of the congressional impound law and that basically... You know, as we know from our three, our, our education of the three branches of government, the Congress has the power of the purse. That money had already been approved, appropriated and approved, and you can't take it away. If, if this is not, um, if this is normalized, if this is something that's okay, we might as well not have a Congress because th- this is this is funding that had already been basically approved by a separate and co-equal branch of government, um, the Pentagon had uh, certified that the Ukrainians had gone through um, whatever uh, threshold of reform um, criteria they needed to meet to receive the aid. And this was being held um, uh, at the president's request. But Rudy Giuliani on the ground, running around doing all this stuff, um, trying to get an ambassador fired so that he could help friends with an energy deal, so he could get, you know, cook up dirt on, on the Bidens, all of this stuff, um, it, it just really can't be emphasized enough. This is an unaccountable private citizen running a rogue, um, off-the-books uh, national security foreign policy um, outside the normal channels of our, of our government. Uh, this is um, absolutely unprecedented. Uh, and as I said, it might, have, you know, many, um, it might have many avenues into profit and other, and other things, but just the fact alone of the, of the election meddling, of him running around doing this, um, asking about uh, investigations in exchange for aid, is, is really everything the founders feared in terms of foreign influence uh, and the idea that some private citizen um, could be making these, could be, you know, executing these decisions um, and that the president would do it um, is, is really astounding. I had uh, former Florida Congressman Bill McCollum on the podcast not too long ago, and he's, of course, a staunch defender of the president and doesn't think the president should be impeached. And I asked him about this second track of foreign policy, this, this, this private State Department, if you will, being run by Rudy Giuliani. And his response was, oh, you know, this is an unconventional president. He just does things his own way. That strikes me as, as a tad disingenuous because to turn over U.S. foreign policy and decision-making to your own private attorney— is not what we had lined up when we established the system for our government. Right. And, and these people are supposed to, these people are accountable. They can get fired. They have responsibilities. They have security clearances. They're, they're taking direction from superiors. Uh, everything is supposed to be transparent within the organization, at least. Um, this is absolutely, uh, to excuse this as, you know, this is a businessman. He gets to do things a different way. Um, is, is is really resulting from a, an incredible uh, case of you know tribal flu that um, Republicans are suffering all across this country because it, the idea that <laughs> let's put the shoe on the other foot that Hillary Clinton 
would be president and would be, you know, letting Sidney Blumenthal or one of her other lawyer friends, Lanny Davis, run around and do this is beyond outrageous. And Republicans would have run her out of the White House in her bathrobe. And the first they learned of it, let alone the idea of, you know, Chelsea Clinton's husband running around without a security clearance, running the Mideast portfolio and the Mexico portfolio and everything else. We're breaking rules we've always had. Trump doesn't get, you know, to, to He's not above the law. He's not above um, these processes and these protocols, and, and they know it. Uh, it's it's an incredible, incredible situation that we've got here, and I think Republicans in the Senate are extremely uncomfortable with it. It's why they keep returning to process arguments about how, you know, why should they have new witnesses that the House didn't have. All of those process arguments are easy to follow and they make a lot of sense. But the bottom line activity um, if we give President Elizabeth Warren the ability to declare emergencies, steal pots of money for her political pet projects, run around asking foreign governments uh, in exchange for aid for help with her next election, like I said, then we just don't need a Congress anymore, in my view. Yeah, no, I mean, this is the same week where we find out that Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump are going to Davos. So, you know, let that sink right. in. I'm just, I just try to focus Republicans' memories on the Clinton family. And, you know, how outraged all of us were. I was incredibly critical of President of Hillary Clinton during the entire 2016 race about everything she thought she was entitled to, everything she lied about, the idea that she, I believe, deliberately and illegally, you know, transferred class, uh, classified information around her secret server. I was outraged by the entire thing and the fact that it would be considered acceptable. So, you know, you really have to have... Um, and no matter what the political season, you have to have a system in place for both parties or we don't have a system at all. I want to I get into two questions. The first being, what's the payoff for Furman and Parnas in Ukraine? Why, why go through all of these maturations of trying to funnel this money around? What, what are they hoping to gain out of this? Well, they were businessmen and they'd had some, you know, they'd made many attempts and failed a few times and they were... Um, they were trying to cook up a deal where they could, I guess, through a, you know, through a pipeline from Poland to Ukraine, uh, import U.S. natural gas. They're running around trying to make contacts with every Republican and every Trump ally um, in, in the U.S. that they could to try to get this going. Their company was called Global Energy Producers, but they had to deal with this company um, back in Ukraine, which is sort of the state-owned energy company, Naftogaz. And um, they wanted, um, you know, to make sure that they had the right friends in the right places. And so this is is where our ambassador came in because she was, you know, rooting out corruption in Ukraine and they needed new leadership at Naftogaz in order to do what they needed to do. Um, and they also, they always presented this as having the uh, approval of Mr. Giuliani and the involvement in Mr. Giuliani, Rudy denies this, and the approval of the Trump administration. And they told officials in Ukraine that the project also was supported by Furtash. And so it was some way of cooking up um, a new way of using an abundance of U.S. natural gas to make a profit in Ukraine, but they would have to, as I said, shift you know some cronies into the into into place at Naftogaz so they could steer contracts um, to companies controlled by um, friends of President Trump or Rick Perry's or whatever. And on those details, I'm not so clear, but I think we'll learn a lot more about them in due time. Um, it's just all we know is that they were trying to arrange this energy deal and, and Rudy denies being involved in it, but 
None of us will be surprised if we find out that he was. Yeah, Lev Parnas seems to be chomping at the bit to to spill the beans on everyone. His attorney is all over the place offering up all sorts of little tantalizing details that, that may or may not pan out. But it definitely seems like he is ready to, to tell the story. The other question I have is this. Well, I mean, everything, I mean, I've been covering news in Florida long enough to know every story eventually comes back to Florida, this story being no different. But you go down the line of people who got large sums of money from these two. Um, what's what's the payoff to, to getting money to Adam Putnam or to Ron DeSantis or Brian Mast or, or Rick Scott? Um, why Why flood Florida with all this cash? Right. Well, I do believe they just needed access to powerful people so that they could um, either, you know, work uh, the regulatory process in Florida or in D.C. or be connected to people that had, um, you know, uh, intros for them in in other places. I, I, I do know, for instance, they gave money to former Congressman Pete Sessions, who then wrote a letter to Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, criticizing Marie Ivanovich. So that was a way for them to you know, to do something um, they needed in Ukraine via a U.S. congressman. Um, And I think that in the case of Devin Nunes, um, they were, you know, they were trying to befriend him just to have access to him. Um, And and then they were, you know, they they were giving money to the top players, Governor DeSantis, Minority Leader McCarthy, you know, all these people um, to, 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 make inroads and sometimes make a profit. Ballard Partners paid Parnas, I understand, $45,000 for for an introduction to a client. And then, you know, that's how they ended up talking to investigators. Um, And that client turned out to be the Turkish government. Now, we also know that Rudy Giuliani is you know has is a client of President Erdogan. I mean, President Erdogan is a client of Rudy Giuliani's. So why would Lev Parnas be able to refer the Turkish government to Ballard Partners? He wouldn't have. It's obviously was like a setup through Rudy. So how each payment scratches each other's back um, and continues to scratch new backs, we can't be certain. But it's 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 a, a syndicate of connections um, that um, Parnas and Truman were hoping you know would would obviously make the money and and um and ingratiate them you know at the highest levels of of u.s national politics and it's and it's for anyone that's not familiar with ballard partners ballard partners is a is probably the premier one of the premier lobbying shops in tallahassee brian ballard is a a big time trump supporter in fact the last time i actually physically saw brian ballard i interviewed him on the floor of the quicken loans arena in cleveland he was a a delegate for Donald Trump. And so this is, you can start to see where a lot of these things start to come together in different ways and people are, are linked. The money's part of it, but access is the other part of it. Right. And let me just clarify on Ballard Partners. So in, in my research, I, I understood that the pro-Trump pack America first it was it was reported as cooperating with the SDNY investigation, whereas Ballard Partners subpoenaed by the SDNY in the case because the firm paid forty five thousand to Parnas for referring the Turkish government as a client. I was interested to see whether I mean to, I, I'd be curious to know whether Ballard Partners was subpoenaed because they did not offer to cooperate. Now they, they it is they 
it's been said that they, you know, they've not been accused of any wrongdoing. It's just this payment to Parnas that SCNY was looking into, which is, you know, definitely directs right back to Rudy Giuliani. Um, but it's, but it is, um, it explicitly said that um, that they were not. It didn't use the language was cooperating. It was that you know SCNY had issued a subpoena. So, um, you know, people are going to be dragged in. Um, at, in a spider web um, at different varying degrees um, of liability because Lev Parnas really wants to talk and he seemed, you know, as we've gone through all these connections, he seemed to be, you know, really, he had um, touch points everywhere the, the, in D.C., Ukraine, Florida. The assumption is is that SDNY and the FBI are going to continue moving forward on this, but the wild card in all of this is Bill Barr. He could still step yeah. in, step in the way, and say, you know what, you've gone far enough. We're done with this. It's 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 not it's not beneficial. I, I'm not I'm not moving forward. In which case, all of this just goes away. Right. I just I think that um, I I see uh, a Southern District of New York, um, you know, taking this incredibly seriously. The officials who made the announcement October 9th of the arrests of, of Fruman and Parnas really um, highlighted and underscored how important campaign finance law is, uh, and it's no small thing. And they will pursue, you know, every single lead and every fact in this case, um, and they take it very seriously. And I think that they're trying to really um, stress their independence. And I don't, you know, I think they're really going after Rudy Giuliani, but um, everyone should know that the attorney general of this country can quash any indictment, subpoena anything he wants at any time. So um, we will have to see where this goes. Well, and it's up to Bill Barr. And, and, and as long as this is lingering out there, you have to wonder, you know, what comes next. And um, because, because there is, there, it does seem to be, this seems to be in, in one way very much a, a web of different people, but in, in the other way, it's also just follow the money. The cash was coming from yep. here to here and ending up here. It's not that complicated. The names may may get confusing. The different people and places may get confusing, but it is just a very simple follow the money. Especially when it when it the origins are in Russia. That's that's a that's a real problem. It's not going to go away. All right, A.B. Stoddard, I appreciate your reporting on this. I appreciate you talking to us about this. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see when more information comes out of this and if, if Lev Parnas actually does offer up any any additional information or does actually appear before a, a hearing or somewhere and testify and go on the record with this because it definitely seems like there's more to come on this. Whether or not we actually get to see it, that is another question. I think we'll be reading more developments from Lev. All right, A.B., if, if anybody wants to track you down, where can they find you? Where can they find your work and read you? Um, I'm on, I write for Real Clear Politics, and um, I um, am not on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> I use it as my news feed, so I'm not on social media, but, um, but I, I contribute to the work, and I, I write for Real Clear. All right, A.B., I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And again, I want to thank AB for calling in. Um, just for clarification, we recorded that podcast on Friday, January the 3rd. Probably, it's probably not going to show up actually in your feed until um, Monday the uh, the 6th. So um, things may have changed in those days. Things are happening very, very fast right now. Um, obviously, we didn't talk at all about the uh, airstrike outside of uh, Bayop, Baghdad International Airport, that killed a leading Iranian um 
well, you know, I think for lack of a better word, terrorist. Um, but, you know, we'll get into that at another time. But um, anyway, this is definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, just just with both the money that's flowing in different directions. And of course, as it always seems to be, there are lots and lots of Florida connections to this. Uh, Matt Dixon up in Politico in Tallahassee has done some great reporting on um, some of the various DeSantis connections to this. If you, if you follow him, he'll have some new updates and information on that. So it's definitely worth keeping an eye on that. Anyway, I hope you had a very, very safe New Year, uh, New Year's Eve celebration and New Year's Day. Um, hope if you were watching college football, your teams won. Mine did not. Well, mine didn't lose either. The, the University of North Texas uh, did not qualify for a bowl again this year. So at least we didn't lose. That's that's something to hang your hat on. Anyway, um, hope you had a great holiday, great safe holiday. We're, we're, we're starting off 2020. Um, lots going on. We still have to wait and see what happens next with the impeachment. Uh, the Florida legislature will get cooking here very, very shortly. And um, we'll see what they have in lined up. There's a lot on their plate. And um, a lot going to be going on up in Tallahassee. So we'll definitely start talking a lot more state issues, a lot more Tallahassee-centric issues um, in the weeks to come. But I, again, I hope you had a great holiday. If you if you want to reach out to me at CHeathWFTV on the Twitter, uh, Christopher.Heath at WFTV.com on email. And, of course, you can just hit me up either one of those places or, or the old Facebook page. That's, it's out there as well. Um, have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you later.